The first lesson is a reading from the first chapter of Zephaniah. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guest. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people who rest complacently on their dregs. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do harm. Their wealth shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The warrior cries aloud there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring such distress upon people that they shall walk like the blind. Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his passion, the whole earth shall be consumed for a full, a terrible end. He will make of all inhabitants of the earth. Here ends the first reading. Psalm 90 will be read responsibly by verse. Lord, you have been our refuge from one generation to another. You turn us back to the dust and say, Go back, O child of earth. You sweep us away like a dream. We fade away suddenly like the grass. For we consume away in your displeasure. We are afraid because of your wrathful indignation. When you are angry, all our days are gone. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Regards the power of your wrath, who rightly fears your indignation? The second lesson is a reading from the fifth chapter of First Thessalonians. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, 
then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. Here ends the reading. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off and at once traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into your, the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? 
then you ought to have invested my money with interest in the banks and my return would have been received with my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who with ten talents. For to all those who have more, more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Pray, pray. At this time, the children's sermon. Good morning. Okay, I'm going to be here then again. It's good to see you. Almighty God, guide us as we speak and listen that we may understand the gifts that you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning again. So this was the parable of the talents that you just heard. And in that parable, the, the theme really is don't bury our talents. So in the day of the telling of this parable, a talent was money. Today, you and I understand in our English language that a talent is a gift. So there are, you, there are many gifts here. Some of you can sing. Probably some of you play instruments. Some of you act. Some of you may play sports. Uh, some of you make other people happy. Those are all gifts and talents given to us by God. And so uh, Jesus is calling us not to bury those talents. And what happened in the parable is that some got five talents, some got two, and they made more out of them. And then the one had one and buried it. And that's what Jesus calls you and I not to do, not to bury those talents. And I thought this might help us understand that, this burial of talents. Do you know what this is? A plate. A plate. Very good. It, it looks like a plate. Another idea? Frisbee. Frisbee? Okay, a plate or a frisbee. What else could it be? It could be a lid. Yeah, it'd be a great lid. It could be a hat. If you're at the beach and the sand is soft, you could dig in the sand with this. And, and this is also, I, I think, this is a double use, but it's first, you are right, it is a plate. But the, the real use, we hope, its gift is to be a frisbee. And what is, when a frisbee's living up to its expectation, what is it doing? It's flying. Should we try it? Do you, do you feel, oh, I, yeah, I'm sure. How do you want to do this? I'll throw it, and, we'll, and the frisbee depends on the thrower. Maybe you two throw it, okay? Or do two people want to throw Let's just try it. I want to see if we can, you just take, and then you'll throw, or you're going to throw to Nina. Who are you going to throw to? Who wants to catch the other Frisbee from David? Well, I'll try then. Who? Yeah, somebody out here. 
Oh my gosh, come on down then, hurry up. We got, yeah, I knew, so who's, you're, I, uh, we tried these quite a bit of time, and I think it'll be, it'll be great. So, um, oh, didn't you come? Oh, he's going to throw it up there, oh, wow. Well, now stand up and just, let's, so let's show us the, t the um, Frisbee living up to its true potential. Now, it wasn't so good, was it? It could go farther, but I don't want to hit the pulpit. <laughs> so please stand up and throw that frisbee. You're gonna, yeah, it'd be better to stand, I think, and try to. Oh, that was a good one. Okay, I like that. Excellent. He made, wow. You made him, okay. Do you want to throw back? Very nice. Wow, you guys, some of you have a. Okay, it seems like you also have a gift for fr So in the bag are frisbees of a few different colors. Take one. I know you won't throw it because you're practicing in children's church for the service you're leading in a few weeks. But great, the frisbees remind us when we share our talents, we are flying like the frisbee, like God's will for us. The blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with each of you. Amen. You're great, thank you. Oh good, you're gonna help hang them out and here's one over here. Do you want, so pick some colors, there's different colors. And to then you'll teach me to throw this better, I hope. Because mine seemed to hit the ground, but you did very well. Thank you. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words that are spoken and how we listen be guided by the Holy Spirit and true to the Holy Gospel that we may indeed recognize talents and share them. In Jesus' name, amen. The Talking Poles Project was a program completed at the, by the middle school students at St. Peter's Middletown in the fall of 2019 where I served as pastor. The students were part of the after-school program where they came to get help in homework and have a meal and then do projects for the community. And one of the projects that we did was the Talking Poles project. There were some poles in the parking lot had gotten, weren't very shiny anymore. And so the idea was to sand the poles, paint them, and then apply a positive saying affirming words, paint them on that pole. Anyone who walks by even today can appreciate a positive and affirming word or words. In our world, putting positive sayings into action, I mean, not only saying them, but then living them out uh, can be risky. And so the middle students chose these 
painted them, put them on the pole, and this is what they said. One pole read, be humble. In my interpretation, I'm adding on to this. This isn't on the pole. Be humble is all that's on the pole. It is risky to give up our place to another. We might be last. The other poll, the second poll, says perfectly imperfect. It is risky to embrace our weakness and not try to hide it. And yet it's more healthy to let that shine too. Choose to be kind, explanation, which you know. It's risky to be kind. You may get pushed aside, judged to be weak. Together believe. It is risky to stay together both in sorrow and joy and sometimes in argument and disagreement, to stay together, to together believe. And the final one was love, life, us versus hate. It is risky to fight hate with the love of life and to value all lives, the lives in Gaza, the lives in Israel, the lives in the Ukraine, the lives in Sudan, but to value all lives everywhere. In that Old Testament lesson, it's kind of bleak. Zephaniah proclaims the day of the Lord will come not as a celebration, but a day of punishment for the people's greed and complacency. In that 18th verse, neither silver or their gold will be able to save them. And this is certainly a warning that stretches over the ages. If our trust is in material wealth, that's, we are being warned. It's a warning to all who might see injustice and turn away and do nothing. This passage challenges us from Zephaniah and calls us to recognize the moments when we may be contributing to pain or oppression of others and calls us to risk the chance to confess and risk the chance to be reformed and renewed to work for justice and peace in all the earth, which is our call from God each day. In the parable of the talents, and there's a lot of unsettling words in this this parable, I really don't view God as an unjust and angry gift or talent giver who's really angry if you don't uh, make one more. But in this parable, the third slave plays it safe. He made sure he would not lose any of his master's money. And again, it's money right now. He thought the master would punish him harshly if he lost everything. This third slave, I guess, didn't realize the master himself was a risk taker giving his wealth to those slaves. And so that third slave doesn't want to take a risk. As I said in the children's sermon, in the, in the passage, the Greek word for talent means a unit of money. And it was a big unit of money. One talent was about 15 years of wages of a laborer in first century Palestine. It was not a small amount of money. For you and I today, as we did in the children's sermon, we are talking about gifts and talents, not money, but talents that God has entrusted to us. 
So the first two slaves put the master's money at risk. And again, it is an extravagant risk to take. One slave makes five into ten, one two into four, and the other, you know what he did. And when those who double the talents come back, they are praised and, and honored by the owner. And the owner says to many, those who have much more will be given, and those who have little or nothing, and that's going to be taken away. And that is a harsh picture of the Creator. And sometimes, most of the time, all of the time, I don't see the Creator acting that way. We might do that to each other, but that's not the Creator. I've always felt a soft spot for the third slave. His risk-taking was to bury the talent, keep it safe. The third slave confesses, a weakness, I'm afraid of you. Because he played it safe, he's called wicked and lazy and worthless and there you go into outer darkness. We've had that a few weeks ago. This weeping and gnashing of teeth and outer darkness. Again, in the English sense of the word, the issue for this third slave is that he did not develop or share or give his talents to others. When we feel our talent isn't enough, let's say we feel we just got one. Or when we compare ourselves to others and we say, wow, are they gifted? Then we could limit ourselves. And when we don't share the talents that we have, not only do we suffer, but everyone around us suffers because the gifts and talents you have, I need. And if some hold back, all suffer. When God gives these talents, the prayer is, the challenge is the, I guess, a risk to share them, give them with, to each other and all people. Seems to me in this lesson then, talents not shared is the outer darkness. And Jesus Christ does not desire for any of us or any people outer darkness. Again, I think we put ourselves there. I don't think God does it. While the third servant sees limitations and fear, the words of Jesus call forth imagination and possibility. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is a reality for the servant, any servant, any person who may not be able to see how richly they are blessed. With gifts and abilities from God more valuable than any amount of money. Sometimes we hold on tightly out of the fear of losing what we have. And when instead of imagining what the possibilities are before us. And I want to commend you. As a congregation, you have dreamt possibilities and Put them into practice. You've offered an amazing ministry of care for people in the shepherd's closet, both food and clothing. 
What a gift to the community. And you will participate in the Liverpool Ministerium's gift of meals for Thanksgiving. In this time of transition, in this calling of a new pastor, you have maintained and expanded your outreach ministries. You haven't worried or you haven't just turned in. You've taken those talents and went out. And members of the Congregation Council have been elected new members. Others have served faithfully. New time is coming And you have maintained your ministry in this big transition. And I think you should know and give thanks for the gifted congregation that you are, the generous congregation that you are, and the gift that you will be to the pastor you finally call. Thanks be to God for what you're doing. It is noticed. It is seen. The most precious talent we are called to risk is not money. The precious true talent given freely to each of us is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the savior of us all and especially the savior of those in the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Christ's call is for us to take those risks to share the mercy, the love, and grace Christ has poured upon us and entrusted to us, and to sacrifice what we have, to imagine what can be as you have been doing, and to not accumulate, but give. The talent Christ calls us to risk is to be last. He calls us to love our enemies, to embrace the outcast, to be open with open arms and doors so wide that no one anywhere is ever left out. And those things can be risky. He calls us to stand with and protect innocent victims of violence, not to look away, but to stand with them and to work for peace in all the earth. We are called not to be the judges of each other. We are called, as those polls say, to risk being humble and choose to be kind. We are called to risk our perfect imperfection, which really simply means the recognition that we don't have all the gifts. Nobody has all the gifts or talents. No matter how we try to trick ourselves in the hierarchies we establish, everyone is gifted, every gift is needed, No one has them all, ever, anywhere. Which says we really do need each other. We are called to risk believing together when things in the garden and in the world are very difficult. We are called to risk loving life and the lives of all people. We are called to risk living against hate with love and the light of Jesus Christ. Let us always be clear. It is God who took the ultimate risk. God gave God's very self in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. That is the ultimate risk. And we are given the talent of the love of Jesus Christ and to share and embody that gift to each other and all people. 
we become the body of Christ in the world. In 1 Thessalonians, there is an amazing passage that is good news. In that fifth chapter, for God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that awake or asleep, we may live in him. God has destined us not for wrath. That's why I think this angry judge in this parable isn't the best reflection of who God is. Well, I'm not questioning Jesus in any way. I'm just saying in 1 Thessalonians, we're reminded that wrath, that outer darkness, is not where God wishes us to be, nor will he let us be there. Why? Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Even when we fall asleep, even in the outer darkness, we do live in Christ, Lord and Savior, of those where teeth are being gnashed. Thanks be for God, to God, for that encompassing love that can reach and find us wherever we are. I'm quoting with a quote from L.R. Nost, the author, feminist, social justice advocate, and founder and director of the Children's Rights and Advocacy Group, Little Hearts, Gentle Parenting. Little Hearts, Gentle Parenting. She writes, very short quote, love intentionally, extravagantly, unconditionally. The broken world waits in the darkness for the light that is you. You are the light, gifted in profound and many ways. Bring that light, your light, to the world that is so desperately waiting. In Jesus' name, amen. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with each of you. Amen.